tonight on The Goblin's Corner. Objects of time and space. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight... We're doing Objects of Time and Space. Time and Space. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is once again our Custom Magic Items episode. Yep, this will make number four for us. Number four, I believe, yeah. yeah. And, you know, these have been a lot of fun. And so tonight, we've got a whole bunch of dimensional shenanigans and time shenanigans with magic items yeah maybe even a little bit of some rules and maybe even how we create a few of them and some lore yeah but before we get to all of that we've got the question of the week man that's right so matt lay it on me what do we have for objects of time and space for the question of the week all right well aside from the obvious bags of holding and, you know, the TARDIS, right? Things that are bigger on the inside. Yeah, yeah. What unexpected object would you have that you wanted to be bigger on the inside? Let's see. I would say I have two answers. And the first one is... is Shocker. Is, shh, hush. <laughs> How it goes. Uh, the first one would be a book. I think a book that is bigger on the inside would be delightful. Sure. What's not to love? I, it could be for putting things in, which would be hilarious, because then it would be a, a book that actually conceals something. Or it could just be a book that has more book. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. So, like the magical version of a Kindle. Like something written by Robert Jordan. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's way more <laughs> book than, than necessary for that. But... That would be my first answer because it would be great. No, oh, the rabid fans are gonna. I, can, I, I know they're I gonna. They're gonna. They're coming for me. Their computer screens. They're coming for me. How dare you make fun of Robert Jordan? <laughs> even though six of his books are him walking in the desert. Still, I, you know what? I like Wheel of Time. It's great. A lot of desert walking though. More desert walking than Dune. Put it you that way. The second object that I would have, and I think this is even more hilarious, and which is why I'd probably choose this as my primary answer, is. I want an interdimensional guitar case. Interdimensional guitar case? Yes. So it's bigger on the inside. You could stuff all kinds of stuff. You could theoretically fit a person in a guitar case. Think about it. So you just fill it full of a whole bunch of guns? Yes, like Desperado, but instead of just him (laughs) pulling the machine gun out, he just dumps it out, and there's just piles of guns adding up. Absolutely. Like an armory? Sure. Yeah, and and a single guitar. You gotta yeah, have, you gotta yeah. have one, right? It's a guitar case. It's a guitar case. Yeah, why wouldn't you have a guitar it's not a gun case? Please, how dare you? So, I, I I can guess the first one, okay, but the second one I can't. But I'd like I want you I want to hear your answer. Knowing you and and how you drink coffee, I'm assuming the first one is that's a cup of coffee. Yes, yes, absolutely. I would have a dimensional coffee cup that's just filled with coffee. Yes. From the elemental plane of coffee. Yes. 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 Where it meets the elemental plane of fire, it would be hot coffee. Where yeah. it meets the elemental plane of water or ice, para-elemental plane of ice, it would be cold coffee. Sure. Where it meets the quasi-elemental plane of chocolate, it would be mocha. And where it meets one of the seven abyssal hells, it would be a frappuccino. That's fair. Yeah, that's just what I'm guessing. Yeah. 
You know my stance on Starbucks, so I mean, you're 100%. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. They will never, ever promote. <laughs> like, hey, we'd like you to pay. No, you don't. You, you don't want to pay me for that. No. <laughs> what would be your other idea, though? Although, real quick, Caribou, call us. So, uh, Oh, yeah, they got, they got some good coffee. <laughs> I love their coffee. All right, so my other one would be really weird. Imagine, if you will, mm-hmm. a phone case. A phone case. That has an interdimensional or an extra dimensional pocket. All right? So you take your phone case, you pop your phone out of it, and then you just reach your whole arm down in there and grab what you need out of it. And then you pop your phone back in. And the phone is actually the lid for the extra dimensional space. That would be awesome. Because, you know, especially your phone, it's fairly large. Mm-hmm. So you could, you know, if it's particularly deep extra dimensional hole, you could have an entire sword in there. I could. Or, a, you know, hacked up body or <laughs> or more coffee. More coffee. Just more coffee. That's, that's where I keep all of the uh, condiments for my coffee. Yeah. You know, if I want a mocha or if I'm... Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. No, I, Turkish I, coffee, it'll be great. I, I love that, yeah. <laughs> That'd be great to have a cell phone case that just gets you more coffee as well. Sure. Yeah. Are you the owner of a cell phone case? Or perhaps you work for Caribou Coffee? Write to us. Info at goblinscorner.com or you can reach me, Eric at goblinscorner.com or me, Matt at goblinscorner.com. And of course, you can find us on all the things. So many things. Lots of things. Like Twitter. And Discord. Yes. Seriously, if you work for Caribou Coffee, call us. Yeah. Hit us up. Hit us up. All right. Let's talk a little bit about objects of space and time. All right. I think we can agree that basically since the invention of time and space, humankind or whatever other races exist. Animal, vegetable, or mineral in your game world. Has attempted to decrease the time to accomplish given tasks or surmount great distances and obstacles. So when we're talking about objects of space and time, we're talking about clearly magic objects right or scientific depending upon your game world but we're assuming the typical person that's using this podcast is jumping into pathfinder D &D or something like that right most likely D &D, fifth well and this is one of the custom magic item correct so it's magic but as you know arthur c clark said sure you see any significantly advanced science so use this as you will additionally i feel that all magic items, particularly the ones that are custom made, whether stuff we made or stuff somebody else makes, should be something that reward characters, particularly for gameplay or storyline or just being a badass, regardless of the game that you play. Yeah. I, th- I feel that's very important. I note. agree. And in fact, some of these are not significantly they're not powerful enough to blow your power curve if you gave them as reward items. Yes, although a few of them are sure uh, could be considered artifact level yeah. if you think about it. They they should be self evident as to which are which. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, you could have objects which are, as we mentioned, artifacts of power, or they could be just unique yeah. in that we say fuck physics. Yes. And and honestly, this is the whole reason we made this episode. Yes, because, because we, we approve of just magic has a flagrant disregard for physics. Yes, 
And so if we're going to disregard physics, let's throw everything against the wall and make something that's amusing to us. Yes. Now, we do have a couple of rules, like you do in typical magic item fashion. What are some of these rules, Matt? They should be objects, not MacGuffins. Yes. They should be objects you reward your players with. Don't make them the central focus of a game. Right. Unless acquiring it is one of the focus, in which case they get the object at the end. Sure. Or if your game is centered around time travel or something like that, if you have the time, patience, inclination... To do a time-oriented game like that? Yes. Yeah. Then, then first off, I applaud you. Second, what do you do for a living? Because you've got a lot of time on your hands to do a time game. Yeah, no, I got the pun. It's fine. Yeah, other than in very specific instances, these should be for giggles, right? They should they should be fun. They should be for rewards, and not designed to have the game centered around them. Yep. So story hooks where appropriate. Sure. Because obviously, if you're going to be inserting custom magic items into any game, there's some story hooks in there, right? Yeah. If it's an everyday object, a distinctive descriptor or maybe even a quirk should be added so for example take the uh the cell phone case Mm -hmm. right my personal cell phone case is a matte black plastic case right Right. that does not scream interdimensional space magic item but if it was a platinum case or one which looks like the bejeweled shell of an insect sure then it might be i don't know a teenager's cell phone case instead. It could, but maybe if it sends off uh, flashes of iridescent light at random intervals, right? That's a quirk that would definitely tell you, hmm, there's something unusual about this case. Maybe as an example, the ever-filling coffee mug that you use in your example above, maybe it always leaves a coffee stain wherever you set it down. That'd be a great quirk, right? It just no matter where you put it, no matter how clean it is, it always leaves a coffee stain. And that's especially cool if you think about how many surfaces theoretically can't be stained. <laughs> right? If you You stained an adamantine table. How did you do that? Uh, this coffee mug. <laughs> I tell you. It's strong coffee. It's strong coffee. <laughs> Get you up in the morning. Wake the dead. Yeah. That's the kind of coffee I want. There's a, there's a resurrection potion at the bottom. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Just to keep drinking. Yeah. You'll, feel, you'll feel great after a while. So, so those are some ideas to kind of get the juices flowing when you're talking about quirks and stuff like that. And consequently, there should be a reason behind the object. Yes. Should be made for a purpose. Yes. Now, shits and giggles can be a purpose. 100%. Pr- Let's be honest. If... I lived in a magical world. I 100% would make a coffee cup that would hold a relatively unlimited amount of coffee. That's just real life. Yeah. That is what would happen. And remember the golden rule with magic items. Right. If somebody would do it, then somebody has done it. Because wizards are crazy. Yes. Straight up. Same. The same reason with chimeras. Wizards are crazy. Yeah. And that's how it works. And I mean, I would even argue clerics are crazy. Artificers are crazy. 
anybody who has access to the kind of magic that's necessary to make magic items. It's crazy. It's crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, not, not necessarily crazy. Uh Oh, but there, there's a certain, maybe ha ha. <laughs> right. There's, there's a certain level of, uh, disassociation from reality necessary to practice magic. Magic makes everything ridiculous. And thus, why be so serious? Have some ridiculous objects. Because you know that's what would happen. Look, we've got the shake weight here right. in this world. What would happen if magic existed? It would be an object of destruction. Look at what we do with technology. That's yes. all I'm saying. There you go. What are some other rules? We've got two more rules. If there's not a clear functionality to the item, then there should be a story or dedicated function. Okay, so what do you mean by that? Well, we have a, a good example later, but... If it doesn't seem, if the object doesn't seem to have a function that makes any functional sense for an adventurer, right? You've got a block of cheese that all of the holes in the Swiss cheese go extra, extra dimensionally deep, right? That's just weird it doesn't seems to serve a function i could probably make a function of that but what happens if you eat it it's a good question but what if it's the only type of cheese that uh astral cranial rats will eat well then it has a purpose to it right you can now use it to capture and possibly train cranium rats from the astral sea and that's definitely game breaking if anything else was <laughs> And finally, where appropriate, it should be amusing. Yes. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule. This is just our rule. Yeah. Because that's why we do this. Sure. It's <laughs> the whole reason. I think for us, we we come from older editions of D&D where magic items are more prevalent, right? And we enjoy that level of magic items in the game. In Pathfinder... 2E and 5th edition D&D, they are less prevalent because the game isn't balanced to having a large number of magic items. Correct. However, if you fill out that roster with things of dubious use, but that are fun and amusing for your players, then they're not going to feel like they're not getting magic items. They're still going to have things that are fun and creatively maybe useful at some point. And more personalized to their characters Certainly. as well. So with that, let's get to some fun magic items, Matt. All right. And I believe you have the first magic item in question uh, of objects of time and space. And this one is a hollow key. Tell me about the hollow key. This is the great example that I was talking about for things that don't appear to have a function, right? The hollow key is a common or uncommon item. And and when we say like common or uncommon, rare, and so forth, these are just suggested sure. levels, I guess. Because if you're playing Pathfinder, they're literally on levels with magic items, particularly 2E. If you're playing D&D 5th, it could be a common or an uncommon, depending upon how frequent magic items are in your game. Right. And in this case, also depending on what it unlocks. Oh, that's true, yeah. 
So, all right. So continue. Okay. This simple steel or brass key is hollow inside, specific to the shape of another key. The hollow key is used to open locks on doors that are often multiple feet thick in width or depth, as well as locks which would otherwise require extremely large keys. To activate, the hollow key must be placed in the lock, whatever the actual size of the lock is. Then the second key is inserted into the hollow key, which magically fills the distance required to unlock the lock. So I have this tiny key. Mm-hmm. And I stick it in the lock. Mm-hmm. And it's, let's just say it's a gigantic, it's a huge, huge, yeah. huge, like a three foot lock or something crazy like that. And I stick it in. And then I take the other key and I activate it by sticking it in. And it just kind of like transformer fills the space in between. And then I can just kind of turn and unlock it. Exactly. Cool. Hollow keys were originally created for the servants of giants so that they did not need to carry around very large keys. Which could potentially be the size of a mace or warhammer. Yeah. I was thinking like if you, it might literally be a keyblade. Right, that's that's where my brain went. Oh, like, I could play Cloud from Final Fantasy. <laughs> so you know, no, that's a uh, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could play Kingdom Hearts. That'd be cool. <laughs> it it would, but if you're just a dude that comes and like cleans the stables or what have you, maybe uh maybe you don't have the strength to carry around a giant steel key. It's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a big ass key, particularly if it's like a storm giant that owns it or something yeah, like that. One of the big like, ones. Yeah, because you're like 50, 60 feet tall or more. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I thought that would be interesting. And for your players, what it does is it, it provides you, that's an immediate story hook, right? Is if they find one half of the key. They got to find the other half. Right. And then the lock that it goes to. Hmm. What does it unlock? Now, imagine finding a skeleton key like that. That yeah. would be cool. Very cool. I just want to see it. Like, I just want to see it grow. I would definitely explain like how that feels, how that looks, because it is something that literally distorts the distance of the size of the lock. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really cool. Very neat. There's their hollow key, guys. There you go. Now you, on the other hand, have a <laughs> somewhat comedic hearty nip. This is a useful item, though. It is useful. Very useful. Yeah. This is a rare item, and it is a type of bracelet. Okay. Created by Maximilian the Sweaty, a gnome obsessed with fitness, hydration, and yoga pants, this cheap woven bracelet has a small almond-shaped bead in its center, and overall comes in colors such as black, pink, green, and particularly camo. Mm-hmm. Camo. Yes. Okay. Hey, man, look. Sure. Some people no. like camo. Yeah, man. Upon attuning the hardy nip, the bracelet activates and transposes a healthy version of yourself, one from a parallel universe that got proper sleep, worked out regularly, and ate healthy food. So, oh. not any of us. <laughs> Well, the sle- the sleep portion really just put us out. Regardless. Yeah, I mean, we're screwed on that. Depending upon the type of color for the healthy nip, you get a plus one bonus to either strength, dex, or con. Sure. So you've either worked out, run a lot, been dexterous, or 
did yoga. Yeah, or, something, you know, you've been sure. working out doing something, and so it, that equates to strength dexercon. Additionally, once per day, the bead can be opened up, whereupon it contains a magical health nut. When consumed, it functions as a potion of healing or a potion of lesser restoration. Your choice. Nice. The Hardy Nips bead can only be recharged by walking a specific distance, at least 20,000 steps, and staying hydrated. Sure. <laughs> sure. I feel like there was a thesaurus involved in the invention of this magic item. <laughs> might have been. It might, it might have been. Yes. All right. Someone else can look that up if you like. All right. Uh, you've got a very interesting object of time and space. Yes. It's a saddle. It is. So tell me about the Elsewhere saddle. All right. This gray and purple saddle is elaborately tooled in symbols of passage of time from moon phases to rising and setting suns, things like that, right? Yeah, so depending upon your game world and so forth. Right. To activate this item, it must be worn by a mount of no more than animal intelligence. Right? You can't just have your druid shape change and then throw the mount up. No, no, no cheating. It's got to be in it. It's got to be a mount. Right. Could be a flying mount? Sure. Could be a turtle. Absolutely. Yeah. The rider may then twist the moonstone set in the pommel of the saddle, at which point the ritual begins. So there's a ritual with this whole yes. magic item. All right. Yes, there I'm, is. I'm following this. The rider must lead the mount in a conjuration circle around any in the party traveling with the rider. You make an animal handling check DC 10. So not too hard. Not too right? hard. Yeah. On a success, the party of travelers move 1d6 hours of distance, or days if you have the rare, greater variety, mm -hmm. down the road in exactly the direction they plan on traveling. So I, I, I do a little circle dance, the ritual begins, and we've basically teleported a certain day's amount of travel. Right. And that can depend on how fast your typical party would travel already. So if they're all traveling at like 30 feet around or whatever, however many miles that is, then however long it takes in a day, that's how many days travel they go. Right. If they're flying, could potentially be even faster. It could. On a natural 20, it's 1d6 plus 6. Oh, very nice. And that's either hours or days. If this would put them further than their destination, then they arrive at their destination. So exactly there. Right. You don't punish a natural 20. No. You punish a natural 1. On a natural <laughs> 1... The party arrives safely 1d6 hours slash days away in a random direction. So it's almost like a teleport mishap. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. You got any lore on this? This item was crafted by the god Farlargan, or however you pronounce that. Farlargan. <laughs> That's how I always pronounced it. To aid his clergy in their travels across the realms. But he also likes people to explore hence the mishap option this would be great for a cleric far like absolutely throw it on your horse do a little circle dance wind up some random location or maybe you've got to get someplace in a hurry yeah Poof, you're there now i would allow my players to choose to critically fail this if they chose to oh they just to, to randomly show up in a, in a in a direction yeah i would too because Again, if you're playing a cleric of Farlagan, 
I will go where the wind takes me. Natural one. Every time. That would be awesome. What a great way to like interject story and stuff into your, your game. Absolutely. I think it'd be a lot of fun. That way you give them the option of fast travel, but you also give them the option that maybe it wasn't as fast as they thought. Yeah. (laughs) It just seems like fun to me. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. We've got a whole bunch more objects of time and space, but we'll be right back after these messages. This episode brought to you by your friendly neighborhood dice makers. Please take a look at their wares. They're great folks. This is a commercial break. If you guys would like to hear us review something like a product or service, or if you'd like us to cover something like a topic, or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, we'd love to hear from you and have you contact us at info at goblinscorner.com. So write to us and maybe we'll talk to you. Maybe not. And we're back. Welcome back. So we're talking objects of time and space. Indeed. Magic items, part four. Yes. And we just got done talking about a mystical saddle, which teleported you place. Yeah. A bracelet, which can be very healthy to you. Yes. Although you have to have your steps in. And a hollow key for giant locks. Yeah. And now we've got a couple more items to play around with. Indeed. The next one, I believe, is yours. Yes. So tell me, what are lift buttons? Okay, so lift buttons are, first off, it's a rare or a legendary item. Okay. Very powerful for the legendary one. You'll see why. But let me let me get into the description, and then the lore kind of makes more sense after this. Okay. This simple rectangular brass plaque contains a series of glowing alabaster buttons. Like 2d6 amount of them, right? So you have anywhere sure. from... From 2 to 12. Upon holding the plaque vertically, one may set it floating in midair. So imagine an elevator set of buttons. That's what it is. Right. It's a lift. Yes, it's a lift. Which then activates the lift button so that the user and the plaque may travel vertically a certain distance depending upon the amount of buttons they have. If you've got 12, 12 stories, right? You've got two, it's two stories. And they're in 10-foot increments. Okay. Pressing a button lifts a 12 foot square of individuals and potentially all of their stuff up to 2,500 pounds. Sure. Which is the standard amount an elevator right. lifts. <laughs> it lifts them 10 feet around, complete with mellow music. Oh, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. At the end of the trip, a small ding can be heard, and should the users wish, they can step off at that level. Although, you know, if there's nothing there, they're going to fall. Right. But the idea is you're at the bottom of a cliff, Maybe it's 100 feet up. You've got 12 of them. You go to 10th floor. You step off and continue on your business. Right. Just pull the plaque off the wall. Sure. Or floating in the in the air. Or you use it to surmount council walls or whatever. Whatever you want to do, really. It's very useful. The lift buttons will remain at that level until the user pulls the plaque off its wall, at which point the force holding people aloft will disappear after about a round. <laughs> okay. Now, this is useful because when you get to the top, you stay there, which means you could theoretically spend the night. Sure. But if you pull it off the wall, you've got a round to move that 10 feet square, or you will fall. 
bad times. And I would say the music plays constantly until deactivated. That's fair. Yeah. There is a legendary version, which is a platinum plaque instead of brass with glowing opal buttons. Now, the legendary version is significantly more powerful. Sure. Rather than move the users vertically, it has a series of buttons which move the users through the outer planes or the inner planes. So inner, outer, transitive, and demi-planes. Just planes. It's, it's just random amount of planes. So roll 2d6 and then roll the dice to see what planes it happens upon. Sure. Or Canny DN chooses which planes it can access and uses that as part of an adventure. Absolutely. I would also approve of that as well. The buttons for the planes are marked in their appropriate language, and the music as you travel to that plane gives hints as the users travel. Okay. So uh, what type of music do you think we should... Well, I, I've got a couple of ideas. Okay. So Mount Celestia, obviously, is Stairway to Heaven. Okay. Acheron, Highway to Hell. Sure. Go ahead. I've got but, them all. But Muzak versions. Oh, yeah. They're all Muzak versions of this. What would Earth be? That's the... Hmm. See, that's a tough one. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire. No. That no. would be for just the the primordial, like the primordial chaos, sure. Earth, Wind, and Fire. That would be pretty good. Plane of Water. Earth Angel. Oh, there you go. There you go. See? Yeah. The Beach Boys for... Uh, Plane of Water? For Plane of Water, yeah. Sure. Now... The Plane of Shadow would be great for Nevermind, because you slowly forget things the longer you're there. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. And I was also thinking any neutral evil plane like uh, Hades, mm -hmm. Tool. Any of the Tool albums would be great <laughs> for that. When the user reaches the appropriate plane of choice, a door appears and opens much like an elevator door. Sure. And note, uh, there is no stop once a button is pressed. So if you press a button to go to hell, you're going to hell. Right. And you have to press another button to get to the next place. Now you can always, you know, when you open, it opens up, you can press it again. But remember, it takes a round. Yes. And I would say you have to pull it off the wall and then slap it to go someplace else. You can't just randomly ride. Although, you know what? No. Nah, let you them can. ride. Yeah. yeah. Let them ride. Press all the elevator buttons. Now. The way I would handle this, because you're going to pop up in a random part of hell, probably housewares, I think, uh... There should be a, a demi-plane of housewares. Sure. I'm just saying, that would be great. The plane of furniture. I think it would be fun to, if I were going to run this, I would definitely have a random encounter table, right? Like, there's a good chance that there's, since planes are technically infinite, right? That when the doors open, nothing's going to be there mm -hmm. because all of the planes are huge. But it very possible that when it opens up, there's a demon Something with an axe, yeah, yeah, ready to take a swing or an archon or whatnot. I would also put in like some special options, like if you roll a ninety-nine or a hundred, right? Then a bellhop appears, or somebody attempting to escape the plane comes running and says, hold the door. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> Can you imagine a slot with like a business suit? Hold on, I got to get out of here. I, that would be terrifying, a slot with a business, business suit. suit. What's it, what, where did he come from? Yeah. What was he trying to acquire? Hostile takeover, perhaps? You never know. A lawful slot. Yeah, well, can't be that lawful. 
I mean, he's got he, a business suit, though. I mean, you know, he's right. If he's got a power tie, you never know, man. It could be, it could be some kind of he's aberration. It's possible, yeah. Power <laughs> tie. There you go. So those are lift buttons. All right. Now you've got a like a common, uncommon object, which I think is really interesting. It's just a thirty-foot sword. Yeah, that's all it is. But the way that it works bends space. Right. So tell me a bit about the 30-foot sword. All right. This is a magic item. It can look like any common or elaborate sword or even other cutting implements. However, in every one, there's a small rune of an impossibly stretchy arm on the pommel of the weapon. So it's got Mr. Fantastic's arm on, on as a rune? Yep. Love it. Basically, like if the handle, if the hand is on the pommel, the arm just kind of wraps around the, the rest of the pommel. Yeah, that sounds great. A 30-foot sword has five charges, which renew at dawn. 1d4 okay. of them renew at dawn. That makes sense. If the wielder uses one charge, the sword, upon swinging, gains the reach of 30 feet, bending space between itself and the victim to strike. Nice. You know, you got a lot of melee fighters out there. And sometimes distance is an issue for them. You give them this little bad boy, and all of a sudden, it's less of an issue. Thump. And nothing says screw that enemy wizard like a surprise 30-foot swing from a barbarian. Yeah, (laughs) the barbarian's like 30 feet away. He's just waving at the wizard. And the wizard expects, well, I've got my wall of whatever up, wall of fire, anything, really. Yep. And, the, and the barbarian just takes a couple of whacks at the wizard from 30 feet away, and he's like, what the hell? Oh, sad for you. Yeah, there go your hit points, buddy. So is there any lore behind this? You mentioned a bit with fighters and stuff. These swords are favorite items of many small fighters, and it was allegedly created by a halfling wizard as a joke and useful item for his adventuring party. Love it. That's great. Yeah, you got a short halfling. Yep. Maybe like a party of halflings, and everyone's making fun of them, and there's a halfling barbarian, like you said. Yeah. What are you going to do, little man? You can't even get over here. Whack. Chops his head off from 30 feet away. Exactly. How useful would that be? That'd be awesome. That'd be so great. That'd be great. I would, if it were Matt, mine would definitely be something that's even less worrisome looking than a sword, I would do like a cleaver or a kitchen knife. Mm-hmm. I mean, still do damage, you know, full damage with sure. it. But, but for flavor, just a cleaver. I'm like, oh, what are you <laughs> going to do with that? Whoa. Chops his hand off. Can you imagine visually, right? A 30 foot cleaver coming at you. The swing starts overhand. And the cleaver just keeps getting larger and larger and larger and as they follow and closer with the as swing. Severs the tendons from your wrist. <laughs> that is amazing. Love that. That is that is anime wonderfulness right there. That's what we're talking about, it's folks. On the box. Amusement value and usefulness. Uh, all right. Tell me what a courier canary is. Ah, a legendary object, my friend, of time and space. <laughs> particularly space. Okay. This small metallic green bird resembles a figurine of wondrous power, which is what it is. Okay. And it is composed of abyssal steel. Ooh. This will come in handy later. When activated, the figurine grows to a large-sized canary, 
which allows a medium-sized creature or smaller to ride it. Out of curiosity, is it a green canary? Yes. I mean, it makes sense. I yeah, just was curious. Yeah. Metallic green canary. The courier canary has three modes of operation. In its normal mode, it grants a movement of two times the normal flight of a canary. Okay. So you can move double speed. Sure. So it's fast, right? Yeah. Canaries theoretically travel pretty fast. I mean, I have no... This is the unladen swallow question. I'm yeah, not, we'll, we'll... We'll work it out. We'll dig it up later and research we'll say, it. We'll say it's got a flight of 60. Sure. Just uh, Perfect. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Spitballing. Yeah, we're just spitballing here. Now... In hasty mode, mm-hmm. press a little button on the canary, because you know, you're riding it. Sure. It allows the user to fly at six times the normal speed, but it is affected by slow for all other checks and abilities aside from the movement, which means it's you are moving in slow motion to turn the canary. Sure. To dodge out of the way of the incoming ballista bolts coming for you. But you move super fast in a straight line. Sure. So there's some disadvantages with it, but you're moving six times your speed. Your your best bet there is take the first round, go straight up out of the tree line or whatever, mm-hmm. and then hit the button. Yeah. So you go from fast to ludicrous speed. Yes. Now, finally, if the user is really in a rush, mm-hmm. you have a once-per-day teleport without error that can be activated. Okay. Porting the user through hell to shorten the trip. All right. But there's a 20% chance something comes along for the ride. Sure. Hence the abyssal steel. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. You know, Ian was uh, with this question from the other week with Event Horizon. I was thinking about hell objects and stuff, and so this is where this came from. Makes sense. Thank you, Ian. (laughs) Legend has it, the Courier Canary was created by the Hobgoblin Artificer Vextramos the Definitely Evil, who made it for his apprentice who was perpetually late. Makes sense. That's very nice of him. That was very nice of him. Well, he's definitely evil. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's how it works, man. So my question would be, it's a large canary. Yes. So you get two riders on it, or yeah, so. I'd, I'd be fine with two medium-sized creatures on that, or, or four small. Right. So the rest of your party is just... Screwed. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that tracks. I was just checking. Stick him in a bag of holding. <laughs> Call it a day. That's what you get the portable hole for. Look, this is a legendary item. Yeah. If you don't have a portable hole by the time you get a legendary item, what there, are you even doing with your yeah, life? What are you doing? You're not an adventurer. Or you know what? Get the canary to pull a cart. Still can't teleport with a cart, can it? I would be. I would allow it. Okay. Because that's even more ridiculous. Because they're moving through hell to teleport. And there's going to be something in the cart. One in five That's, chance. No, 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 no. If it's carrying a cart. There's definitely something. I, I'm upping it to a minimum of 50%. I would allow that as well. <laughs> there you go. Something's going to hop on the cart. Yeah, it's got to. Now, you have an object of time and space. Yes. And this is particularly time. And I love this one. That's why we saved this one for... The, almost for the last object. Tell me about the coffee cup of borrowed time. Now, this is referenced very specifically from an author, which we'll get to, but the coffee cup of borrowed time is an uncommon item. It was allegedly commissioned 
by the captain of the watch for a city of Waterdeep. This large, darkly colored, and slightly chipped ceramic mug is weightier and sturdier than it appears. It's a big-ass coffee mug. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, I love this. Additionally, it has faded letters. The phrase, world's best adventurer. Now, you can also trade that out for world's best boss, world's best mom, whatever. World's best lich. Right. Sure, yeah, it, it, whatever amusing phrases you'd like on the cup. World's worst villain, whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah, whatever works, man. Maybe. Hug the, a flump? I was going to say, maybe the writing even changes per owner. Ooh, I like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, let's do that. That's, a, that's now what it does. Upon saying the command word, the object fills with hot coffee. Already a wonderful magic item just by that. Sure. The owner can use the coffee cup of borrowed time to drink a cup of coffee. This provides a short rest and one minute of real time. Additionally, the cup can be used as a magic weapon. No pluses, it just counts as magic. It could beat a spirit over the head with a cup of yeah. coffee. What, man, if a ghost is bugging you while you're drinking your coffee, you just club them in the head with the coffee cup and keep drinking. Yeah, love that shit. <laughs> it's great. There are some drawbacks. Continued use of the mug forces consecutive con saves for points of exhaustion. The phrase that this was based off of is, coffee is just a way of borrowing time from your future self, by Terry Pratchett. Yes. It's Sam Vimes. I, I love this. I love that you can, you drink a cup of coffee and in a minute you get a full, what is it, a full hour's rest, right? Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. When I drink a cup of coffee, I feel like I've slept an hour. Right. Temporarily. But, but but if you keep drinking them, sooner or later you're going to crash. Yeah. And I love that you can beat something over the head with it, too. I I just feel like that's a nice touch. Yeah. No, it's great. Because coffee is magical. Absolutely. We've got one more All object right. of time and space. So what is the time toy? The time toy. Well, it is a very rare or legendary item, depending upon how you choose to judge that. But it is our final object of time and space for this evening. This small keychain is made of a flimsy, unknown material sporting a moving picture of an animal. And the DM gets to choose whatever it is. Sure. Imagine a little keychain with a little animal on it. And it moves, by the way. Sure. A little pixelated animal. Along with several buttons to interact with the creature, feeding it, cleaning it, keeping it alive, and so forth. Mm-hmm. See where I'm going with this? Uh, yeah. Upon activation, the user is transported into the time toy, where they are effectively outside of the time stream. So they don't need food sleep or even air nice interact with it you just activate the time toy you get sucked in okay the user can remain in the time toy for as long as the creature on the keychain lives without constant ministrations so roll 2d 10 days and eventually it's going to die okay because you're not constantly feeding it and interacting with it loving it and stuff if you had if you were a wizard right and you had an apprentice that actually was taking care of it we'll get to that okay yeah now, the user can also exit at any time beforehand, before the creature dies. And to your point, in theory, others can feed the time toy to keep it alive. And the user within stasis, effectively, indefinitely. Nice. Very cool. But eventually, everyone forgets. Sure. Because everyone forgets to feed it. Right. That's just how this thing works. According to legend, the first time toy was created by the same animal-obsessed archmage that created the owlbear. 
Okay. You know it, it you know it fits perfectly sure. with this. The prototype time toy was found on his corpse by his only apprentice, who later became the great wizard Bandai. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I get it. Yes, I know. I'm sure somebody else gets it, too. I would hope. I would hope so, as well. Surely somebody out there. So there you have it. Eight wonderful objects of time and space for you to use in your TTRP of choice. So uh, if you've got any questions or comments, write to us. Info at goblinscorner.com, or you can reach me, Eric, at goblinscorner.com, or... Me, Matt, at goblinscorner.com. We're on all the things. Matt, what are the things we're on? We're on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, Twitch, and now TikTok. As Goblins Corner. And Instagram. As the Goblins Corner. Did you like our show? Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player, YouTube, and Twitch. If you could do us a favor, click the five stars, give us a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or YouTube. It boosts the show and feeds the hungry algorithm. Which is currently warping time and space to whack you with a coffee mug. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, trust those algorithms. Can't trust those algorithms at, at all. That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name's Eric. And I'm Matt. And we'll see you next time. And space! <laughs>